73, please, in the key of D-flat, if you would. Living by faith, I care not today what tomorrow may bring. God bless you, saints. Nice to see you all. If you come expecting this evening, amen. We're certainly happy to have our brother David. Oh, Sister Leslie, God bless you. An old, old family friend. So nice to see you. Maybe we can welcome Sister Leslie as well. Amen. So nice to have you both here with us. We're looking forward to a wonderful time in the Lord's presence. Amen. Let's sing this together, an old song that I first learned in Brother David and Sister Leslie's church. That's where my family first came to the message. was down in Texas in 1988. So it's been a few years. And these are some of the old songs we used to sing. So let's sing this together now as we just worship. Oh, I care not today what the morrow may bring If shadow or sunshine or rain Oh, 
So sad. 
your need this evening. 
What's your cry? Maybe just want more of God. We know that he's here. Speak the word of God, and by and by, amen. I'll grant you what you desire. Brother Murphy, could I ask you to please come open the service for us in a word of prayer? We don't have any written prayer requests, but if there's something on your heart, we know God sees every hand and every heart. Would you please, Brother Murphy, thank you. Let's just bow our head. Dear Heavenly Father, in this moment of the quietness, Lord, our heart is also full, Lord. To know a God that, that is real, to know a God that has called us, to know a God that has saved us, to know a God that has healed us, and to come in this last age, not in such a dark and evil hour, but Lord, that there is a still light that is shining. There is a still that the people that are believing you with all their heart, with all their might, with all their soul. Lord, we can say we're still dedicated to our life, to our God for our service, Lord. Lord, to serve you is such a pleasure. Serve you is such a wonderful thing, Lord. Lord, without you, who are we going to serve for? Lord, you're the only one that is worthy for all our praise, for all our worship, for all our love. Everything belongs to you, Lord. Lord, because you made our life become different. Lord, thinking of each one, Lord, the where that we're coming from, Lord, the things that we used to do, Lord, we never do it no more. The things that we used to love, Lord, our love completely changed to the heavenly realm, to the you that has saved us, Lord. We want to give you all the thanks and glory, Lord. Lord, this, this night, as Brother David is going to come to minister the word, Lord, I pray that you use your vessel again. You have been using him before to touch our heart. Lord, to think of the service that we used to have, that you used your servant to speak to us so directly. Lord, we pray that tonight, that it won't be exception, that you come down to sin and again, to use your servants as a vessel and to speak to our heart, Lord. And use them, Lord. He doesn't know the situation. He doesn't know what we exactly need. But Lord, you do know, Lord. So Lord, we're not looking at a man. We're looking at you so that you will speak to us. Lord, you will minister to every need and every situation. No matter what it is, Lord, no matter how sacred it seems like, no matter how even they hide it inside of the depths, that without the man even know, probably without ourselves even know. But Lord, I pray that the word is still as a two-edged sword that discern the heart and an intent, Lord, and minister to our need. We thank you, Lord. Lord, you know that everyone coming here only for one purpose is to hear your word, to let our life be corrected, Lord, to let our life be transformed and keep transforming, Lord, so that we can walk closer with you. You are what our heart to desire. We give you all the thanks and glory and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. Once again, we'd just like to greet everyone visiting here this evening. Grandma Lola, Sister Sheila's, Sheila's mom is here tonight. God bless you. Nice to see you. I only know you as Grandma Lola. <laughs> nice to have you with us this evening. Anyone else joining us by way of the internet, God bless you. We just trust the same atmosphere will be with you wherever you are. I want to sing um, It Is Well With My Soul. I'm going to do it in B-flat maybe. would that be all right? Amen. We're going to invite Brother David to come and take his liberty and bring the word this evening. Amen. But let's just sing this anthem as our brother David comes and we prepare our hearts. Oh, when peace like a river attendeth my way, 
happy to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. I am too. I'm looking forward to Pastor David McGeary from Bedford, Texas, Christian Tabernacle, Christian Life Tabernacle. 
Yes. David's been here three times, he tells me, and so he doesn't need too much of an introduction, but we're very happy to have you, Brother David and Sister Leslie. God bless you hiding down there. Nice to have you up here. Don't we have beautiful weather here? I mean, in Texas, I was down there for Joe's wedding, and it was, what, 105? 105. And we come into this balmy 68, beautiful sunshine. I said, it's been like that just about all year. (laughs) But the Lord's given us a great time, great weather this year. And now we see this fall. And and now we have a Thanksgiving weekend. And I can't think of anybody better to have here behind the pulpit. Brother David's been a good friend, pastor, and... uh, he, he knows how to work on your heartstrings, but we're thankful that he's come to be with us in a very um, long weekend. Some are missing because, of, of course, they're with their families. It's a Canadian Thanksgiving, and so uh, we'll have our feet of turkey, and, and we'll be happy for that. Um, I'm happy to be home. And I'm uh, so thankful that I see Brother Timothy. I haven't seen Timothy, seems like, in months. But Brother Timothy Anatoko and Brother Murphy and I, we arrived last week back from Philippines. We didn't have a chance or opportunity to greet you because I was shot sitting in that seat listening to a wonderful sermon by Michael Ray. But I'm on the bounce back. And Lord willing, on Wednesday and Sunday, we'll have some reports to you from the Philippines and greetings and so forth. Amen. Well, I also want to bring you greetings to a man that we all love, Brother Ed Biscoll. He, you know, he, he's had hurt himself and fell and been recovering, and he's doing much better. I want to keep him in our prayers, him and Sister Ruth, who we love and so appreciate in this assembly. So remember him over the weekend. Give thanks to the Lord for a wonderful man of God that God's given us. God bless you. Let's just sing that chorus. It is well. As Brother David comes and ministers to us. It is well. Thanksgiving, your Thanksgiving, we have it at a little different time, but we're certainly thankful. You know, I got married on Thanksgiving Day, so I wouldn't forget my anniversary. (laughs) So I thought every Thanksgiving I'll celebrate my anniversary, and that would be perfect, you know. But I didn't know that the date changed, you know. So that didn't work, so, you know... But 50 years later, my 50th anniversary fell on Thanksgiving. So the Lord's been good to us. We're grateful to be here, grateful to put our shoulder to the wheel. And we just trust the Lord will bless you. Let's bow our heads one more time before we turn into Second Peter, the first chapter, and just ask the Lord to help us and be with us. Our gracious Heavenly Father, 
Lord, the love that you extended to us. To imagine that you so loved us that you sent your only begotten Son. One formed in your image, possessing your personality, fully obedient to everything that you showed him, and yet you were willing to offer him up and to shed his life that I might have life. Lord, for that we are truly thankful. That while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And you so secured us and placed us in the palm of your hand that nothing could pluck us out. And then you comforted us and you spoke to us and you said that if I start the work in you, I will finish it till the end. And Lord, we can so rest in you this evening. Father, we ask you to stir up our hearts this evening and bless us that we'd have a time of fellowship. There's no big eyes, there's no little U's, there's no great among us. We're all purchased with the same price. We all hold the same value in your eyes. Your love for us is equal. And that's what we rest in this evening, Father. We ask that you would just let your word just bless your people tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd have your Bibles and you'd open with me and appreciate you coming out on uh, this Friday night. I, I guess you put this for your Wednesday, but I know Friday night's usually the time you go out to eat after a hard work week and spend time with your family and do the things you like. So we certainly appreciate your sacrifice of being here. We hope it's a blessing to you and, and uh, our hearts can get on fire. I, you know, I always pastor at home. I don't go out much. Um, but it kind of gives me a little chance to be evangelistic. You know what I mean? But I'm not a good one, so we'll just enjoy the word together. So let's read in Second Peter. We're going to read 1 to 4, and then we're just going to skip down and read the ninth verse. Amen. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Am I with people tonight who have obtained like precious faith? In other words, we're all here because we've received a revelation, spoken to our hearts that God had a word for us in this age, and, and that's marvelous. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertaineth unto life 
and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are giving unto us exceedingly great and precious promises. And by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then skipping to the ninth verse, and you know the sec section here is the statue of the perfect man. He says, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things ye shall never fall for for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ heavenly father we ask you to bless your word in your precious name Amen. You may be seated tonight. I don't usually title my sermons, but I, I had to come up with a title. I got a phone call from upstairs. And I don't mean way upstairs. I mean <laughs> up, upstairs. And, uh, and uh, she said, well, what are you going to title it? So I said, okay, uh, uh, I'm going to use this scripture I uh, can't see afar off and you know uh, that seems to be a great problem today is people not being able to see afar off you know to be able to look down the road and to uh, know what's happening and to know what's going on. Um, and it's kind of designed that way, I guess. The world doesn't want us to look farther, but, you know, we drove into Vancouver today and it's a beautiful city and, and uh, you see all the development going on and, and uh, all the buildings going up and... Uh, and you, you sit back and you think, you know, wow, you know, it takes up millions of dollars to do that, you know. And, and those people must have some sort of vision that they're willing to uh, invest so much into that. And, uh, and what, uh, uh, what it is that they're trying to accomplish. And I don't really care much about their motivation, but... Uh, we also drove through all those nice places and then we drove through a part of town that used to be downtown. And we find out that there's people sitting on the side of the streets and there's writing on all the walls everywhere. And you have all these people, uh, whether they, they're homeless and some of them are drug addicts, some of them have mental trouble, but, you know, I wondered if we ever saw that coming. 
you know, I mean, when these people did these great works and they did these great things, I wonder if they ever saw that afar off. You know, they say in our country in Seattle that uh, there was a place, it used to be a certain place, it was sort of by the cruise ships, it was a beautiful place with restaurants and shops and everything, and now they say that it's not even safe or fit to go to. And my, my heart goes out to those people because they're, they're a, a creation of our civilization. As man seems to cr crawl and climb higher and seems to try to want to gather uh, more prestige and have more influence and more wealth, there's people that continually fall through the cracks and, and, and they end up in a place they... They, they didn't know how to uh, see what was coming. And, you know, and that always strikes me about the great story of the rich young ruler. Uh, you know, he knew that he lacked something. You understand? There was something in him he knew that he was lacking. It, it didn't matter. He was a good, a good guy, a, a good fellow. The Lord loved him. And he was, uh, he was moved upon that he saw something in Jesus that he had never seen before. You know, and I, I hope that's true about you. Because we're fellowshipping together in this like precious faith. And it's our faith that is our most valuable asset. It's, that's what sets us apart from anybody else. We all have the same struggles of life. We all have the same problems. The, the fellow on the street, he suffers with sicknesses. He suffers with disease. He goes through emotional problems and troubles. And so there's really no big eyes or, or little U's. It's just what separated us was the grace of God. Just the kindness of God to speak to our heart. And this rich young ruler, he, he was, he seen something and, and he was moved and he knew he didn't have what that he was witnessing. And our messenger told us, he said that we are all a lot like this rich young ruler, you know, and uh, even with all that he had, there was something in him that he knew that he needed to grab a hold of something greater than that which he possessed. And I, I, I think it's really important that, that we never become satisfied with our present condition, uh, which is easy to do, you know, so... Uh, I have no means tonight of being critical in, at all, but there, there's just something that I think should be in us that was in him, that if we recognize that we're short or we're, we're not living up to our own expectations, if our lives are really not as fruitful as they ought to be, that we would inquire you know, what must I do, you know, to gain this victory? What must I do to overcome? What must I do to step up higher? Uh, to, we, uh, to, to, uh, 
Kirk, come, I, I know I, I, I'm lacking something. I know there's something uh, missing on the inside. But my mind tells me, my heart tells me that I could do better, that there's more, that there's something there for me. And, and it's not the knowledge that we have of the Word of God or of the message. It's good that we have it. But it's the partaking of the divine nature which is the greatest part of that promise. It's not having all the promises. It's not having all the scriptures and and the Bible verse of the day and the quote of the hour. And all those things are good. They encourage us. They move us down the path of life. But it's really the, the gift to us is the partaking of divine nature. And when that fellow looked upon those things and he, he, he knew that, uh, that he was uh, lacking something, he knew uh, exactly uh, that he wanted what this person had. And, and then the, the Lord began to talk with him and he said, you know, there's really one thing that you lack. And he said, sell all that you have. And so there was always a, a sacrifice. God's always been a God that requires a sacrifice. He requires from us something that expresses to him that there is some form of sincerity in our life. That it's not all in our heads. Another, even faith is expressed by its works. You know, you can't just show me your faith with your theology. You can't show me your faith with just the things that you know and the things that you say because you're really going to show me my faith when there's a work in your life that identifies that that faith that you have has anchored in something and then now been manifested. And so real faith is planted and then that faith will turn forth and come forth in a fruit. And so this young man looked at that and Jesus looked at him and and discerning his heart and knowing that the path that he was on was going to uh, destroy him. Even though that he's done all good, he knew that he didn't have within him that part and connection with God that would preserve him for the things that were set ahead of him that he was going to have in contact with. Now, God knows what's in front of you. And sometimes we can't always see afar off. And, and we fail to, to take the time to look afar off. And so this, the Jesus inquired of him and said, what you need to do is if you really want to inherit eternal life, he says, then you need to invest in this. You need to invest in it without compromise. You need to invest in it. He even required that. We could go right back to Ananias and Sapphira. Peter and then they wanted the gift. They wanted the Holy Ghost. They wanted that. And he said, okay, go sell all that you have. It's funny, isn't it, that that turned out to be one of the very characteristics 
of the first church was a people that were willing to invest 100% in the exodus that was set before them coming from law to grace. And it caused great division. It caused great conflict. They had to leave all those traditions behind, all those things behind. It came with a price. And so when it came time for this fellow to invest in what he perceived as being the kingdom of God, he didn't want to pay that price. The price was, was uh, too great. Uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it seemed to, to be so far-fetched that he would actually have to uh, sell all that he had and take up his cross and come follow. So all of a sudden, his mind began to work. And he began to filter uh, the cost. He began to filter uh, everything that he was going through. He began to, uh, you know, just start to imagine what's the outcome, what's the result, all that. And those are some things that we don't know. But he didn't value that enough to invest in it 100%. So in other words, he really couldn't see afar off. Jesus knew where he was going if he didn't make a change in his heart and in his mind. He knew what the the path that he was on. And I think sometimes we fail to understand that God knows the path that we're on. And many times he will come into our lives and try to interrupt the path that we're on because we can't have this terrible tendency not to see afar off. And that's what Peter said. He said, if you're not investing in this statue of a perfect man, if you're not adding these things in your life, if you're not doing those things to build yourself into something that's greater than you are. So understand that. In all that whole statue of a perfect man, he's trying to get us from what we are to what we ought to be. It's not just a fancy sermon and a title in scriptures. It's actually the formulas of life. That's why he said, by these precious promises, we become partakers of divine nature. That's the thing that we're after. Because our whole promise lies in that. That if the same spirit that dwells in Jesus Christ dwells in you, that's the formula. That you must be born again. You must have this, this experience in your life. So he, he, just, he just didn't want to invest because he had in his mind a filter. And do uh, you have water here? It's a little water right here. Good. They give me the small bottle so I don't preach as long. <laughs> but so... We, we find out that, that he, he, didn't, he didn't get it. You know, he didn't get the whole picture. He, he didn't understand what was at stake. And I guess in the scriptures it tells us we find them later, right? 
And, and uh, he's crying out. And, uh, and he, he's in sad shape. And, and, and God gave him the chance. But it, it, there was nothing in him that, that caused him to go farther. There was nothing in him that, that was, that, that part of him, that bell wasn't rung. He understood it intellectually. He understood it scripturally. He kept all the commandments from his youth. But now he came in contact with a challenge that challenged him. In other words, God's the one that put the challenge on him. God's the one that put the, the conviction on his heart. God was the one that stirred his heart. Hey, you're lacking something. You know, you're short. You could do better. There, there's something more for you. There's, some more, there's more life for you. There's more power for you. There's a, a work for you to do. There's a whole other dimension that you haven't even considered walking in. And a lot of us are like that rich run ruler. We haven't even considered that there might be a greater dimension, a greater walk. We're kind of, we kind of get content that if I just go on the way that I'm going on and I just keep the rules and I keep the law and I live right, that that's going to account for something. That would be great if you weren't predestinated. That's our problem. Everything's predestinated is, oh boy, that's security. No, that's our problem. Our problem is, is that we are predestinated and therefore something has got to move on us because God is not going to let that what he has spoken fail. And we can save ourselves and God a lot of trouble. But to me, that's an encouragement. You know, because you, you know that, that there's a, a seed that's in you. Now, we know that. I mean, I'm sure that these brothers have went over predestination and the seed of God and where you come from and your names being on the Lamb's Book of Life and I mean, that's, so, that's almost fundamental to us. You know what I mean? But I think sometimes that we fail to understand the process of really what's transpiring and where we are now. So, so we're, we're, a, we're a, a predestinated seed of God. We know we've been planted here for a purpose. We know there's something in our hearts. We know that we've been... Uh, uh, elected somehow. But still that election has caught to come. So in a sense this rich ruler was elected to receive. He was invited. And you can't get the the invite mixed up with the attending what you're invited to. In other words, the invite becomes worthless if you don't go on to receive and participate 
in what you're invited to. Like everybody gets a pardon. I can tell you today that your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't even know what they are. And I know they're forgiven. Because he said that he forgave the sins of the world. And so that sacrifice has been made. If the price has been paid for your sins, I don't even care what you're struggling with. He still has offered you forgiveness. But there's got to be a time where we accept that pardon, take that pardon, and apply that pardon to our lives. In other words, it doesn't do you any good to say you're pardoned if you still live in the prison of your mind. There's no benefit to you. There's no joy to you. There's no peace to you. You know, if you really had the pardon, it wouldn't even matter what the Bible was in your flesh. You could look at your flesh and say, I'm pardoned of this. He forgave me of this. Therefore, by that pardon, I will overcome. Because I've accepted that pardon. And it's just like we have had a great invitation to the wedding supper. But we find out all kinds of people came that weren't qualified. All kinds of people did this. Some come and they weren't dressed up. They didn't make it into the feast. And then it was inquired of them. How did you get in here? Well, I, I, I got in here a different way. And, and that's what we want to make sure tonight. That we're not trying to come a different way than God's provided way to come. And it's not always what we think it is. In other words, it's not the sermon, God's provided way. We don't say God's provided way is the blood. It's, It's so far beyond that. In other words, it's what was in the blood returning back on the believer to start performing in that believer's life what the intention of why that he died for you. He died for you because you were seed. And he had a a predestinated purpose that he wanted you to fulfill. And... And where are we? Like I said, I went down there and I see the world. I see all these things going on. I see the struggle and they're saying, this used to be the best part of town. Now it's gone downhill and over here's where all these people live and over here's where all these people live, you know, and can you look at it? And I just thought, I wonder what this place looked like when there was no buildings. You know, and they're going to build this freeway and that road. And I drove by a development. They just had a few sticks and out there. And it said sold out, you know. And everybody's trying to find a place to live. Let me tell you something. This message is not a staying message. It's a leaving message. It doesn't try to prepare you and help you to stay here. 
The purpose of this message is to make this world so uncomfortable to you, to put you under so much conviction, to deal with your heart, to deal with your mind, to deal with the things that you're going on. In other words, the deal, he's trying to get you to take a few moments and sit down and look afar off. So we're nowhere predestinated. So that's not the question tonight. And I'm, I, I'm fellowshipping with you as we are all in this together. I'm not a brother. You know my testimony. Many of you heard it. I, I, I don't even know why I preach. You know, why me, Lord? You know what I mean? It's not my nature. It's not what I want. But I do love God's people. You know what I mean? And, and I need you. You understand? And as we look at it, you got to remember that, that we're, in a, we're in a battle. And let me tell you, we're battling for the rapture. That's what we're battling for. That's where we're at. We're in a battle for the rapture. There's something going on. There's, there's something moving. And every time that God is, is fixing to move, there's always some revival that comes up. You know, something to, to, to think that we've got it. To think that we've obtained it. You know, a little shout and a little run and a, a, a little this and a little that and, and, and those things. And, and I'll tell you, we fail to understand many times in this message that out in the nominal church world today, they're having healing service after healing service after healing service. All it proves is that God's a healer. He already healed everybody. Every now and then somebody will break in in faith and take God at his word and God made one thing that he can't do and that's lie. So if somebody comes along, I don't care how rotten they are, they accept God according to his word, God will keep his word. But that has nothing to do what the end result is. And that's what we want to see. That's what we want to look afar off to. That's what we want to have our eyes focused on. That's why I say really what we're battling for is the rapture. And you can't let a little temporary feel good, a little revival, a little outpouring... Why, anybody that's an old-timer knows that's days gone by. People didn't want to keep moving on. They didn't want to move on individually. They like to go in groups. They like a movement. They want this to rise and that to rise and this to rise. I, I'm not, I haven't been in this message as long as some, you know, 50-some years. But I've heard so many, this is it. God never works from the outside in. He works from the inside out. He works from the inside out. And, 
And so uh, we, we begin to, and that's what we want to do tonight. We want to understand where we are. Our messenger has left us, but the words that he brought has not. It's still our source of life. It was stored up. There's still truth on the tapes. I'll tell you this publicly. I don't mind to tell you this. I despise people who feel the message has been spoken. We know it, that God's moving on. I'll tell you, we don't know a half of what's on those tapes yet. We don't quite ever got the picture that it's spiritual food in the stew season. He was storing back then what we need today. He's still the guide. It wasn't William Branham that preached those sermons. It was more than William Branham that preached those sermons. It was God. And we find out in those sermons, if we'll, if we'll stop looking at them backwards, and we'll start looking at them afar off, then we would start to know what's coming and not what's been. Because you know you can't drive a vehicle looking in the rearview mirror. The vehicle hasn't changed. The, the dynamics of the vehicle hasn't changed. It's just the road that's in front of us has changed. Maybe too many of us are in park. We're sitting on the side of the road. We've got our road maps and we've telling all where we've been. How the road was constructed and who constructed it and all the engineering and everything that went into it. We can talk about the message, all the engineering that went into it, all the visions on the mountain, all, all the things that our messenger saw, how he came down and spread them out. And what was he doing? He's saying, God's doing all these things. All these great things are being done, but they're being done for you. So when you got to where you are tonight, that you can take the word of God and you can see afar off. You can see what's going on. You can identify yourself in the hour that we're living in. You can answer the question about your predestination. You can answer the question about the Holy Ghost and what it is. You won't be shaken when someone is anointed. And, and, and you see a great anointed move. And you don't feel the, tr- the thrill. Well, I know when I got my thrill. I got my thrill on that rooftop when Jesus Christ told me my sins were forgiven. 
when he revealed to me that he had a prophet messenger and I had an absolute. And when I failed, he'd convict me of sin. And when I repented, he'd be just and faithful to forgive me. End of story. I know my nature's been changed. My flesh wars against my spirit. I fight the same battles you do. But there's one thing I know. I'm not what I used to be. There was a time in my life where God come down and did something from me. And he turned the desire of my heart to him. And the enemy is trying to cloud that vision every day. And there are things we've been told. The sunshiny skies are no sign that God's for you. And the rain, clouds, and storms are no sign that God's against you. It's something that he settles on the inside. So where are we tonight? This is what concerns me. Because we're battling for the rapture. So even though I'm in Texas, I hope by the grace of God, I'm battling for the rapture there. I'm not battling for a bigger congregation. I'm not battling for a bigger church. I'm not battling for more places to preach. I'm not battling for prestige. There's one thing that my heart is set on, the next event. For the elected seed is the rapture or the catching away or the transformation from this dimension to that dimension. Now, if I believe that, there's got to be some sort of investment made to it. And I know we invest in keeping our spiritual condition. We invest by prayer. We invest by, by fasting. We invest by worshiping. We invest by coming to church. We invest in reading our Bibles and praying. But I wonder really what it would mean for us to be able to look afar off. Look to what's coming down the road. Look for that next event. And ask myself, have I invested not my life and my efforts in keeping me in the condition that I'm in? But have I invested into a higher calling? Leaving those things which are behind us, leaving those things behind and pressing For something higher. Another not letting no substitute come along. But just standing there and taking the time to sit back and consider. Now, where we're living right now, and I notice. Just in my drive through town, to me, there's something greater going on. 
All this trouble in our country, all this trouble in your country, all the trouble in the world, all this whole new mindset that's coming on the world. And it isn't divided by politics. It's divided by truth and life. And what do we find? And we're told these things. And, and you can read this message, Thinking Men's Filter, where a lot of my thoughts are coming from. He said that, that life connects with life. And sin connects with sin. It's, it's what happens. My sheep know my voice. Another they won't follow. But all these people on the street, all these buildings, all this economy, all this civilization, all this education, whole new education, a whole trying to teach people a whole new culture. Tear down civilization as we know it. Tear down law and order as we know it. Tear down everything. Break down everything. Rebuild everything. Rebuild our kids' minds. You're not a boy. You're not a girl. You're this. You're that. You can choose that. What is it? It's an army. It's Satan's army. That brings confusion and death and suffering. Because sin is connecting with sin. In other words, unbelief is connecting with unbelief. And though they act like they're miles apart, they're in perfect harmony. Because you are their enemy. Lord, you better have something in you personally that'll hold you. We trusted held you through COVID. I hope we can look at that and see you far off. I hope it struck us. When that vice president of the United States showed up in a purple dress, I hope we can see you far off. I hope we can see the handwriting on the wall. I hope we can see the flashing lights of the sign of his coming. I hope we realize, wait a minute. I've got to see it far off. I've got to start investing. I've got to start to find out, what do I have to do? Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I'm trying to tell you tonight it goes beyond an emotional experience. Which there's way too many people trying to substitute to the bride of Christ a little tingle, a little shout, a little dance. And then sell it with discernments and gifts and things that have no place anchored in God's revealed word for the hour. Even him that could turn his back to the audience never anchored us in the gift. He tried to anchor us in his presence. Lord willing, Sunday we'll visit on that. So we find this great battle is coming forth. 
it's on. They're starting to get together. 200,000 demon demons loosed on the bride. All he's trying to do is mess with your mind. Because that's where the battle is. He's trying to mess with our minds. Then he raises questions. You know, just like Eve. You know, the whole thing about it is, is that Satan injected another element. Right? But he always did. He, he injected another factor. She had all that he need, but he came and said, what about this? What about that? How come you don't have this? How come you don't have that? How come you don't have something on the inside? It's never been about what's on the outside. It's always been about what's on the inside. And I have a lot of quotes, but I won't read them. I'll just finish this evening and hope that I can just encourage you. God put a seed in us. And, and so he put that seed in us so that we would find our place in the part of God's word that he predestinated us to fill. Not necessarily as a church or a people. But as individuals who find their place and then they're fitted and joined together. And when she's ready, she leaves. So I realize that my whole life, I, I want my focus, I want my life, I want my eyes to be on. I'm battling for the rapture. But I can't win that battle without you. Whoever you might be, scattered in here, and I know it's a weekend, and many are visiting relatives, and that's great. But just for us here tonight... We've got to understand that it's not something I can do without you. It's something I've got to do with you. So we, we preach the gospel not to educate one another. We preach the gospel so we can all get on the same page. That we can all have faith. That our faith can increase. That we'll be armed to fight this great enemy that's coming after us. And we've all got a part to play. We can't run from that responsibility. We've got to face up to it. So now, in closing tonight, just to let my point set in there's a seed in you now that seed has a purpose and that purpose of the seed you could read it in thinking man's filter is to draw the seed life 
Now, you'll still get all educated in your mind. You'll still see things. You'll read things. You'll know it. You'll feel his presence. But there's something else that starts to process in this elect lady. She comes to the place where that seed that's in her, like the seed in the lily pond, like the seed under the concrete, there's something on the inside of that seed because it is predestinated to fulfill the rapture promise. Or whatever promise that he has promised you to be partakers of divine nature. Now that seed in you, despite what ground that seed is, that seed now is going through a process of drawing. It's got to draw. It's got to pull. It's hungry for fulfillment. Nothing, the rain don't satisfy it. It loves the rain. It rejoices in the rain. But there's a life in that seed that's got to reproduce. And now that seed is going to do everything it can. It becomes a hunger. It becomes something inside you. It it becomes a filter. You are so set. That seed is so hungry. It's so moved. It wants to leave here. There's nothing here for it. It sits to cry out, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now we say, well, we get, we've had it. We've always had eternal life. You always have it. Yet if you have always had eternal life, then the seed in you draws for that life. That's the evidence that that seed is God's seed because it hungers for the life and connection with the life that planted it. Ask ask your own heart. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) The seed... (coughs) The seed goes after its desire. The rich young ruler, (coughs) when he was faced with it, Really, the desire for the world and the things of the world was greater than the desire of the things of God. Because he didn't know where he was going. And God always draws us into the unknown. Not to the seed, but a lot of time to our senses. What lies ahead? I don't know what lies ahead, but I know who's planned my life. I know whose my footsteps are ordered by the Lord. All I know is there's something in my heart, a seed of God, that's drawing. 
there's a rapture. I'm drawing from it. I'm drawing to it. I'm investing in it. I know there's got to be a seed in you, something inside of you. And that's what the prophet of God said. He said, look what the desire is in your heart and what's drawing you. You gotta, you gotta sit back. You gotta take the time. You gotta sit down. You gotta sit and look. What's afar off? More homeless people, more hungry people, more sickness, more death, more environmental catastrophes. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Lord, what do I have to do? Prophet of God said, sit down. Filter every thought that you have through the word of God till there's nothing left but the Holy Ghost. We talk about the three poles of Brother Branham's ministry. There's three pulls that we go through. He talks about them in the thing. But you know, when you come down to that bottom thing, that last part of that third pull is really the pull of the seed to the word. It's that seed in you drawing that word, not settling for anything else. Lord, let me have that word. Give me that word. What's the word say? And then sitting back and filtering everything out. That's not the word of God till there's nothing left but the Holy Spirit, which is none other than Jesus Christ himself. In spirit form. So we ask where we are. What have we come to? The armies forming. We've all experienced a taste of them shutting down our church. In California, they passed the law. It's in the assembly. That if a parent interferes with an identity crisis in their children. The state can take their children from them. Think of that. Some spirit. And all I believe is homosexuality, all that thing is nothing but a demon spirit. That people can be delivered. It's just unbelief. And, and, and faith comes by hearing. So does unbelief. And that's why you've got to filter what you hear. That's why you can't just receive everything that you hear. Do you know what I mean? Fox Truth or Fox News is not the source of truth. It's just a slant. It's just a spin. Perception is not reality. God's word is reality. This is God's reality. 
He's telling us what's going on. And he simply comes in 1965 and takes a message. And he, he preaches this message called Thinking Men's Filter. And then he tells us, he says, if you have the filter of God, the seed in you will draw the word life into you. He said, if you have this thinking man's filter, or God's word is the filter, he said, if you have that, then the seed in you starts to draw everything through the word of God. And then it starts to filter out everything that's not the word until there's nothing left but the Holy Ghost. So I believe that churches can do great works. But individually, we have got to come to the realization that it's the hour of the call of the seed. In other words, there's a third pull going on inside of us. Something in us that's calling for the word, calling for it in our life, filtering everything out, filtering our thoughts, filtering our attitudes, finding out that that the same mind that was in Christ Jesus is in us. If it's not happening in you, then we've stopped looking afar off. We don't think it could be in the morning. Or thou fool, thy soul might be required of you this night. We fail to take the time to think, and yet this great battle is going on in our mind. All this stuff is coming into our brains. And there's got to be something that filters all this nonsense. And it isn't an intellectual filter. This don't do it. By itself, it doesn't do it. There's got to be a seed in you doing the drawing. You have to recognize that there's something within you that is pulling for that, regardless of the condition you're in. You can be as backslid as can be, but if that's something inside of you is drawing, I, 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 I want something. I'm calling. There's a deep calling to a deep. Then there's got to be something there to respond. And when a man starts looking far off and he says, there's a rapture coming. What do I lack? What do I need to do? I'm hungry. I'm thirsting. I'm not right. If you'll just sit back and examine. What are you drawing on? What's your heart drawing is there a pull inside of you is there something in you to call and if I sat there tonight and I said you know I don't really have much of a call 
or investment in the rapture. I'd take a moment and look up and say, Lord, set me on fire. Awaken the seed in me. Arise from your slumber. Make me aware. There's an army forming of unbelief, of demon-possessed people stabbing one another on the streets, beating one another, looting stores. It's anarchy. It's everything our messenger told us. But we won't stop and, and think a moment and say, what am I investing in? Can I see what's coming? Is there an awareness about you? Can you see what's coming? There's a war coming. There's demons dressed up like angels. And you've got to know and have faith that God had put something in you And now's the hour of that pull of that seed. I'm not trying to interpret the third pull, but it's it's something you know about. So I can use it as an example. It's the third pull. The final pull is that part of your inside. What you are, what your personality's built around, what, what your senses are built around, something beyond what you know down in your heart, saying, There's something in me that tells me something's fixing to happen. And I can't live loose. I gotta tighten my ship up. I gotta ask myself, What am I investing in? I love the world today. They're buy gold, buy gold, buy gold. Anybody else ever heard the word buy gold? How about buying gold tried in fire? You don't think your gold's going to be tried in fire? The test of your desire is coming. You have to be so aware of what God placed in you and what it's thirsting after that you can actually sit there and look at your flesh And say, oh flesh, you war against my spirit. You're my enemy. I'm going to bring you into subjection. But thanks be to the Lord. There's a thirst in my heart. That thirst for life. There's a seed there that's calling. And I'll just read this statement. In closing tonight. Because when we came into this world. We didn't have a chance. 
not a prayer, if I could say it that way. And he says, what's that? He says, well, what's drawing it? It's something down on the inside drawing. The soul is drawing your resources through the outside, down through the spirit, into the soul. And if the soul loves the world, it's dead. I don't care how it's anointed out here and how righteous it is out here. Down in here, it's dead. For he that loves the world and the things of the world, the love of God is not even in him, no matter how religious. If I could do anything, we all need to connect with what's calling on the inside and clean out the channel and let it call. He said, when you come into this world, you were born in sin. You didn't even come with a fighting chance. You were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies. Within your own spirit, the desire of sin, a lover of sin, because you were born in sin, you didn't have a chance. Boy, now I'm going to try to make it on my own. But down inside of you, somewhere here you come, there was something in there that began to draw. He says, what is it? It's the germ seed word from the beginning that was in you at the beginning, standing here drawing the seed life. You see what he's trying to connect us with? There was something in you that was drawing the seed life. Filter everything else out until you as an individual know you've made contact with something that's in you that is drawing for that life. Now that's going to war against the flesh. And the flesh is going to war against that. And that's contrary. But he that is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He said, that seed is in your heart by foundation. Hallelujah. The seed is already in there by the foreknowledge of God predestinated. And when it draws, it can't draw through nothing else but the word. You understand the seed's there. But there comes a time where that seed makes its move. It makes its draw. There's a rapturing life. There's a resurrection life. There's something that's out there that's going to transform this body. And there comes a time when that seed that's predestinated, 
Not predestinated, my name's on the book. Not predestinated, I've got a ticket already. Not, that's, that's backwards. There's a predestinated seed that's going to call divine life and transform me from this realm to the next. That's the pool that is going to be resurrected in this word bride. He says so many beautiful things. He says when it can draw his own soul, if there's anything in there to draw by, but if that predestinated seed, don't miss this, if that predestinated seed is not there, it will not draw through there because it'll draw for its desire. If it ain't predestinated, it's not going to draw. You want to know how you're predestinated? What's drawing through you? You say, well, then I'm not predestinated. No, you just need that seed to come to life. We call that being born again. You need to come to the altar. Sell all that you have. And say, Father, bring that seed in me to life. What's drawing me? What draws my day? What starts my day? What finishes my day? And then I'll just say this thing. He said this. He said, let me plant the word of God in my heart and purpose there that I'll not turn to the right hand or the left hand away from it. But I'll live true to it all the days of my life. And oh, Father God, send down upon me the Holy Spirit of life to quicken those words to me that I might manifest Jesus Christ before those who are before me to look for it to happen is my prayer. And we know we're in the seeing age, right? So he says, now let us all tonight check our desires. And then you can see what kind of filter you've been drawing through. Let's check each one of us here and out across the nation. Check your desires, what you want really in life. Check what you're fighting for. Check what you're here for. Check what you're going to church for. What makes you? It's good to go to church, but just don't go to church only. That won't save you. See, check just a few minutes and say, is my objective and what kind of filter am I drawing through anyhow? What's your desire? We've all got desires. But that's what the seed does. The seed changes our desires. It gives us eye salve 
that we might see. It gives us gold. It gives us raiment that the shame of our nakedness doesn't appear. It deals with our hearts and questions us and asks us, do you believe enough in this rapture that you're willing to fight for it? You're willing to die for it? You're willing to invest in it? Are you willing to let the seed leadership start drawing the word of God into your life? You can put on all the religion you want. Religion's just a covering. But until you feel that pull, until you realize what I have is not going to transform me. And the seed wants to go home. It's calling to go home. It wants to leave. And that's why it's starting to come to life. Why it's starting to churn. That's why the mind battles are getting greater. That's why the conviction is there. Conviction is not condemnation. It's the glory of God. It's the seed calling out, saying, please get your body under subjection. I want to go. I want to leave. There's a pull going on. And that seed is now coming alive in that elect lady. In you individually. You say, well, I haven't experienced that. I'm telling you, you're going to experience it. It's happening. The seed itself is beginning to speak. God bless you tonight. Brother Tom. I like to be challenged. I like to be challenged. I trust that I got a few people in the audience that want to be challenged. You know, there's, there's uh, many traps set before us, many snares Satan has. And that's one thing uh, that we have to be aware of. And that is we can get so sucked into this age that we lose the vision of what our calling is. And, uh, and I believe that tonight we heard from the, from the Holy Spirit. To l- let us now just take that little dial and tune it in a little bit more. We didn't come here to just have a little home and have a nice car and, and get a good job. And I'm going to retire in five years and things are going to go on. Saints, we've got a rapture to take place. We have a rapture to take place. And that has to be focused much more so as this day draws closer. A battle for rapture. What do you think is going on in your mind? What's fighting you every day? And you're just trying to survive. 
And in, in your trying to survive, the day goes by and the heart or the seed has not been able to express itself and say, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Why don't we just ponder that just a minute? I feel the pull. Ponder it within our hearts for a moment because I see a coldness that goes throughout the lands. And people get cold, they get lukewarm, and they feel that this is the standard now. I can come and go when I want, when there's no drive and desire to reach out into the realms of God. Something's got to be wrong. And so then if the Holy Spirit starts to deal with us in the inner man like this, then it's not, as Brother David said, it's not to condemn you. A conviction's good. That you can actually be stirred within. Am I seeing afar off? Or am I just seeing the locale? Am I a Naaman? Or am I the little maiden? She said, I would to God that you would be with the prophet. And you would be made whole. But he couldn't see that. He couldn't even listen to a prophet's message. Just go into Jordan seven, wash yourself seven times and you'll be, ah, he, he, he just couldn't believe that. He couldn't see afar. But there he had a little messenger with him that said, if he asked you to do something hard, you would do it to obtain your healing. Saints of God, this is a very simple act tonight. Lord, stir my soul. Stir my heart and stir my inner man. Don't let me get caught up in the now. Let me get caught up to what I've been called to. For Paul says, I will apprehend that which I have been apprehended for. There is a reason why that seed in you is calling to the deep. Let's stand to our feet. I feel the pole. I feel calm. And his spirit's moving me.
wonder how much value you put in what you heard this evening. How much value the weight of those words were spoken to us. I trust you've put it in great value in your little script bag. That you'll ponder these things when you go home. There's a little quote that I've had always in my notes. And it says, as the two most important words that you'll ever say. There's only two. Yes or no. Say, yes, Lord, deal with me. Speak to me. I want to feel a pull. I just don't want the song and dance. I just don't want to just go on in the froth of life. But I want to feel the deep pull of the Holy Spirit within your heart and my heart tonight. Maybe we'll bow our heads in a word of prayer here. And you can do your own self-examination as that rich young ruler did. Do you value the words that you heard or just another service? You just heard some words you put in your time at church. Or is there something that lodged deep within your soul tonight? I do indeed feel a pull to come up higher. Heavenly Father with heads bowed and hands have been raised. And I pray God that you'll reach deep within the inner man as a deep calls to the deep as we heard tonight there must be a deep to respond your prophet said deep calling to the deep father god so often in this age satan is there to try and put heaps of problems and of situations in our lives to get us off the focus of what we've been called to. We've got worries, we've got situations, we've got problems we can't hardly even bear. But you're the great burden bearer, Lord. So Lord, with our hearts lifted up and our eyes of faith looking in that inner veil, pray, Lord, that you will stir each and every heart from the front to the back to the uppermost highest seat in this assembly. I pray, God, that there will be a stirring within their soul, an awakening within the inner man, and that they would be moved, Lord, to reach out in faith, say, I want more of Jesus, more and more and more. I want more of Jesus than I've ever, ever had before. So, Lord, we just want to ponder these things in our heart. And we want, Lord, to move higher in the realms of faith to pull us, Lord, into that eternal realm with you. We ask, Lord, that you'll deal with all of our hearts as we're willing, Lord, to surrender all. We value it with great value tonight. We pray, God, that you will deal with our dear brother David for Sunday morning as he's already had something on his heart. I pray, God, you'll unfold it more and more and more. And may we come with, a, with a, some expectation in our souls. Feed the hunger of my heart. So, Father, would you bless each and every one as they will go their way tonight.
and think on these things. And as the scripture has said, and he thought on his way. So, Father, go with us now, we pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. There's an old song we used to sing, I want, I want that kind of blessing that keeps and sanctifies the soul. We want that kind of word that God can deal with us inside. Not just on the hallelujah and on the lips, but in the inner man. Oh, I want, I want that kind of blessing that saves and keeps and satisfies a soul.